you today. So thank you. Let's pray real quick. Lord God, I thank you that you are so faithful. I thank you that you see us. I thank you for your creation that we get to enjoy. I thank you for the beauty all around us. In creation, in people. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for its authority and its power. I thank you that it brings us to places of peace, places of truth. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much that you have given us your word that we can know you in such a real and personal way. In your precious name, amen. So, have you ever heard the thing like, let's pursue Jesus, right? Like, I'm sure you've heard that. We need to pursue Jesus. Well, what does that mean, right? Like, if you think of hot pursuit, if something's in hot pursuit of something else, what do you think of? Like, I think of law enforcement, right? And they want to get the bad guy, and they're like running after him, and they will stop at nothing because they need to get that person who is in a lot of trouble. And so they work really hard. And they want to get to him no matter what. There's other kinds of pursuit, you know, like when a man is falling in love with a woman and he will go to all ends to make sure that she feels important. He might change things about himself. He might stop doing things or start doing things so she feels important because the end goal is so important to him. There's also, also things that we pursue that we don't get a choice, okay? When you were a kid, were you um, encouraged to take piano lessons, right? Or guitar lessons, or you had to play the sport that was your parents' favorite sport, right? So you did not have a choice if you got to pursue that. Or maybe you had a mom who knew how important reading was, so that's what you got to do in the summer, is you got to pursue books, right? Sometimes we don't get the choice what we pursue. Or let's say you're at a job, and all of a sudden the program changes or something changes, and you now have to pursue your job in a different way. Well, there comes a time in both of those situations where you get to decide, do I want to keep playing the piano? Do I want to keep playing the sport that my parents want me to play? Do I want to stay at this job, or do I need to move on? We all get that choice. Is the desired outcome worth my effort and my time? Now, some things that we pursue are super easy at the beginning, right? Like a new challenge or a new relationship or whatever it is. And it's like, oh, nothing can stand in my way. Even with our relationship with God. I don't know if you remember when you first started following God and like nothing was going to stand in your way. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And then life happens, and it can be like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do all of this? And we get the choice. Are we going to keep going with intentionality towards what we want to pursue, or are we going to coast through life and just hope that it all works out, right? Because we get to decide what we're going to pursue, and that's the same with Jesus, we get to decide, is our desire for relationship with Jesus, a deep relationship with Jesus, is it worth our time and our effort? 
Because that's what it means to pursue Jesus. That I have a conscious, I make a conscious decision to spend time with him. I make a conscious decision to pursue him. I make a conscious decision to listen about what he wants to change in my life. What he wants me to do different. How he wants to work in my heart so I can become more like him. Pursuing Jesus is not about coasting. It's not about just letting Jesus do it all, right? Pursuing Jesus takes effort, and it's about being intentional. Now, if I'm honest, I think about pursuing Jesus, and I'm like, okay, wait a sec. Like, that kind of intentionality is just for the super spiritual, right? Just for the pastors, or just for those who don't have children, right? Or just for those who have way more time than me, or are younger than me, or are older than me, or whatever my excuse is right? Like, I can always come up with an excuse why other people can pursue Jesus easier than I can, right? Have you been there? Okay, like, that is a really hard place to be because I want to follow Jesus, I want to pursue Jesus, but then life happens, and all of the responsibilities, and then you throw on things like divorce, and sickness, and death of loved ones, and it can seem incredibly overwhelming. And sometimes we can think, wait, I'm too tired. I'm too tired to do this. I've put in my time. I don't have the energy. Or we say things like, maybe when. Maybe when the kids leave the house. Maybe when I retire. Maybe when I get enough sleep. Right? We all can think like that. And so it can feel really overwhelming. But I love that Jesus does not leave us in that balance. Jesus does not just say, hey, follow me and good luck. He doesn't do that. In fact, he has a specific direction for us because he knows us and he cares about us. Let's read Matthew 11, verse 28. It says, come to me, this is Jesus speaking, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. First of all, I want to ask you, who does Jesus say can come to him? All, all who? Who are weary and burdened. What is the only qualification that you need to come to Jesus? To be weary and burdened. Do you qualify? Okay, I qualify. Like, all right, Jesus says that's all I need is to be imperfect, to be weary, to be tired, to feel burdened, and I can come to him. Now, when Jesus was speaking to his audience in Matthew, he knew them. He knew the kind of pressures that they felt. He knew his audience. You see, God had given the Jewish people laws. Have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments, right? He had given them these laws to guide their lives, not because he's an evil taskmaster and he wanted to, you know, do this, 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 but actually as a gift to him, gift, gift to them, he gave them these commandments because he knew what was best for them. He said things like, take a Sabbath. Why? Because God knew that taking time to rest, our emotions, our minds, our spirits will fill us up and give us what we need for the rest of the week. 
So he said that. He said, don't kill, steal, lie, or commit adultery. Why? Because he's a killjoy? No, because he knows those sort of things bring strife and pain and hurt. And so he gave these guidelines, these boundaries for his people because he loved them. Much like his parents, we put boundaries on our kids. Not because we hate them, not because we want to steal all their joy, but because we love them and because we can see what God has for them and we want them to grow into decent human beings who are thankful, who are passionate about him. So we put boundaries, we put guidelines because we love our kids. Well, this is what God had done to the Jewish people. He had said, these are your guidelines so you can live the most abundant life that you can. Well, the Jewish leaders, they thought, well, if we're going to follow God's law, we need more laws on top of the laws, right? So they kept adding rules to the rules. Like on the Sabbath, you could only take so many steps, right? So if you took one extra step on the Sabbath, oh no, shame on you, and you'd feel all this guilt, right? So rules upon rules upon rules. And the people of Israel were feeling burdened. How can we possibly measure up to all of this? We feel judged no matter what. And they just keep adding things on. So this is who Jesus was speaking to when he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you true rest. And I know for me, this is like Jesus speaking to me. Because so often I get overwhelmed and burdened and exhausted from all the shoulds, shouldn'ts, have tos, don'ts, and it can seem like I can't do it all. This is way too much for me. And I put, I put uh, these expectations on myself, or I get them from social media, or from my friends, or I start comparing, and all of a sudden I am burdened by all that is required. And then we add on when we hurt people. And we sin, and we mess up, and we see people hurt because of us. And the burden is even greater because we want to love people. We want to do what's right, but we mess up. And that is a heavy burden to carry. I often find myself endlessly striving to be good enough. Or sitting back and just saying, well, whatever happens. And either one of those leaves me feeling pretty bad about myself. And it gets my focus off of Jesus, and it's all about me. And that is a very heavy place to be. All this striving that I feel, and I'm guessing most of you have felt this kind of striving, is like this burden on my shoulders that controls my mind, my will, my emotions. And I feel like I'm just being jerked around by whatever is asking and demanding my attention. And that is exactly what Jesus knew his listeners were feeling that day. He knew that kind of burden, that kind of pressure. And do you know what he compares it to? He compares it to a yoke. 
In fact, he mentions it twice in this scripture. He says, take my yoke upon you, and my yoke is easy. So what is a yoke? It is not an egg. Do I have a picture of an egg? Yeah. It's not the inside of an egg. That is not the kind of yoke we're talking about, okay? No, this kind of yoke is the kind that unfairly limits our freedom and makes it feel as if we will never have freedom or a break. But there's actually this physical yoke as well. And we're going to throw a picture up here. This is a yoke of a wooden beam that's fastened across two animals that are forced to work together to make a load easier. So Jesus says, you can leave the picture up there. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Wait a second. Jesus wants us to take a yoke. Jesus wants me to be like that. I think I'd look like that cow right there. Like the side eye, like really? Um, I don't think so. This is not what I signed up for, right? That's what, I, that's what I think about. Like he wants me to be in that kind of contraption? What? Because really, if we're honest, we can think, why do I have to be in a yoke at all? Why can't Jesus just do it all? Really, we want to live more like my next picture here. We want a free ride, right? We just do our thing, get in, and Jesus just pushes us along. And we don't have all those pressures, and we want the shortcuts, and we want it easy. We want it convenient, and we want it comfortable. But that is not what Jesus promised us. Jesus did not promise that it was going to be easy and there would be no hard times, but he did promise that he would walk with us through it. And really, the truth is that we're all yoked to something. Something is in that yoke with us, whether it's our pride, whether it's our selfishness, something is yoked beside us that is driving everything that we do. So when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, it's actually a call to action. Because in order to take it, I have to do an action. And I can't wear two yokes at the same time. So in order to be in step with Jesus, I have to take off the yoke of my pride, the yoke of my way, and I have to choose to take his upon me. Now, that sounds all really great, doesn't it? You're like, yes, great idea, Jolene. Jesus, you're so right. But how the heck am I supposed to do that? Right? Like, what does that look like in real life? And I love that Jesus is so faithful that he doesn't stop with just take my yoke upon you. He says, and learn from me. The next step in taking his yoke, the way we learn to take his yoke, is to learn from him. Now, when we think about learning, there's two important things to learning, right? And one is that we have to be willing to learn. You can't learn something if you're not willing to learn it. Otherwise, it just, you know, goes in one ear and out the other. It rolls off our back. We roll our eyes, like whatever. Now, if you think about that, that young calf that gets in the yoke with the older ox, okay, and they are walking along, and that younger calf has to soon realize that fighting against the yoke 
fighting against where they're going is the most painful way to go. It is not until he surrenders his will does he realize that this is much easier if I walk in step with the older ox to get this job done. The more he fights, the more pain that there is. And that teaching of the older cow to the younger one is not a punishment. It's because he knows if we work together, this is going to be better. It's kind of like Jesus saying, hey, when you're at the end of your rope and your way isn't working anymore, when you are tired of hiding all your weaknesses and trying to look good to everybody, come. Come link up with me because I love you and because I am here for you, and you're going to find rest for your soul. But you see, it does take an action. We have to be willing to take off our yoke and put on his and learn what he has to say. Now, if I'm honest, surrender is the last thing I want to do when I'm in a difficult situation. Usually when I'm in a difficult, hard, burdensome situation, I say, I want it now, I want it my way, and I want it the way it's always been. And it is not easy to think any way else. Surrender is not our first choice most of the time. But that stubborn, ego-filled way of thinking is anything but productive and healthy for me. It does not lead me to walk in step with Jesus. And yet we see Jesus is actually suggesting that we surrender to him, that we give him control of our mind, our will, and emotions, and we get in step with him. So what are some of those things that we have to surrender? What are some of those things that we have to take off in order to put on his yoke and walk in step with him. I am so glad you asked, because I thought that I would share some of those with you. One of the things, these are just some that I felt like God showed me, probably just because I needed them for myself, right? One of them is take off the desire to be in control. Ooh. That is not an easy one, because we sure like control. And we think we know what is best all the time. And Jesus is saying, I want you to let go of control, let go of having to have it your way, let go of having to do it the same way all the time, and see what I have for you. I was thinking even as, as your church is searching for a pastor, is searching for someone to lead. I pray that you will walk in step with him and be open to what, where he's leading. Be open to be in step with it maybe looking different than it has in the past because God does new things. And as we walk in step with him and let go of control, he is going to give us the rest, and he is going to meet us right there.
Another thing that we need to take off of our shoulders is the appearance of having it all together. Right? Because that one is super important. Because we need everyone to know that we got it together. But to take that off and find safe people to be honest and vulnerable with. It is in our vulnerability, it is in our times of crisis and honesty that God comes in and speaks with such love and truth and he ministers to our hearts and he gives us hope. But when we appear to have it all together, one, no one knows to pray for us. We don't get that truth spoken into our lives of hope. We don't get the truth of maybe something we can work on. And when we don't speak it, shame is the loudest thing. But when we give it to Jesus and we're honest and vulnerable and we walk in step with him, we will see that his way really is better than our way. Another thing that God has been really teaching me that I need to take off is busyness. Because there is a big kudos list if you are super busy, right? If you are super busy, then you must be doing really good. But busyness can weigh us down. Weigh us down a lot. And God wants you to take off the busyness and be okay to just sit with him. To just Take a deep breath and let him speak to you and love on you. Another thing that God wants us to take off is that pressure we have to keep or make everyone around us happy. Because that is a lot of pressure. And God says, don't, don't have that pressure on you. It's not your job to make everyone happy. It's okay to put on healthy boundaries. It's okay to say no. It's okay to do what I'm asking you, Jesus says, and to follow what I am asking. We need to take off our harsh words and put on those gentle words, even when we don't feel like it, and even when we don't think that person deserves it. But we choose gentle words. And the last one that um, is very important that we need to take off is freaking out. <laughs> right? Because when we get all emotional and uptight and angry, we just freak out. And usually that is when we say mean things, we say rude things, we're disrespectful, we have no hope when we're freaking out. And God is saying, take off that freaking out thing. And I want you to put on patience and self-control. And learn from me how to do that. Okay, so I just went through this list of six things, right? Of things we need to take off and what we should put on to walk in step with him. And how many of you are like, great, now my burden is bigger? 
because now you just told me all these things that I need to stop doing, right? Like, you just gave me a list, Jolene. Thanks a lot. But that's exactly what a burden is, is feeling like there is too much for your own strength, too much for what you think you can handle. And then it's easy to think, but I can't do all that perfect. There's no way that I can be perfect and that I can get it all done just right. And you're right, there's not. There is no way to be perfect and have it all together. But that is not what Jesus demands or asks us to do. Jesus says, learn from me. Learning is a process. Learning does not mean I have arrived. In fact, the older I get and the more I learn, the more I realize I have more to learn. That I have not gotten there yet. So the first part of learning is having that desire to learn, right? Having the desire to go on the journey with Jesus. But the next part of learning that's super important is who the teacher is. Have you ever had a coach or a teacher or a boss who was so demeaning and rude and you could not wait to get out of their presence? You were not motivated at all, except maybe by fear. And you had no desire to please this person, no desire to do what they said because of how they treated you? But have you had a coach or a boss or a teacher that when you were in their presence, you felt like you could do anything? You felt that they believed in you? And the way they spoke, the way they encouraged, built you up and you were like, oh my gosh, I can do this. I know for myself, like, even speaking like this, my pastor, in, a, in his own way, was like, Jolene, I believe that you can do this. And because of that, like, here I am. But if he would have done it in any kind of demeaning way, there's no way I'd be up here. Because who our coach is, who our leader is, makes a huge difference. So we see in this verse, it says, Jesus says about himself, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So Jesus tells us who he is. Jesus tells us what kind of leader he is. He's gentle and he's humble. Oh, he's gentle with us. He's not harsh, but he's kind. And he has this character that says, I'm gentle, and I just want you to come to me. And he's humble. He took the low road. He took the road of suffering for us. But Jesus did not just tell us that he was gentle and humble. Jesus actually lived it. You think about that woman that was caught in adultery that day. And she was about to get stoned. And Jesus comes in, and with gentleness and strength, confronts her accusers, and gently tells her, now go and sin no more. Gentleness and truth. 
Think about the woman at the well, right? He actually told her what she had done wrong. But he did it in such a way that she went and told the whole town, you got to come talk, see this guy. Not because she felt terrible about herself, but because he had given her hope and he had made her feel valued and loved. Because that is the character of Jesus. Gentleness and truth in one. So when Jesus says, come and learn from me, he's not demanding He's offering us the opportunity to learn from him. And that is one step at a time. Jesus knows that learning is one step at a time. I want to show you a quick video of some little ones that are learning things one step at a time. Watch with me. Might take a second, but they're going to get it. Do we have any sound by any chance? ones are just learning to walk. And as parents, when our kids are learning to walk, we don't just throw them in a race and say, now go, right? We know that learning to walk, you have to first learn to sit up. You have to get your balance to sit up, and then you learn to pull yourself up, and then you learn, they learn to stand by themselves, and then they can take a faltering step, and sometimes they fall. But we are so gentle and encouraging to them, right? We celebrate all the victories of a baby learning to walk. Yay, you did it! And when they fall down, we're quick to pick them up again. We don't get disappointed and like, oh my gosh, we've been working on this for two days. You don't got walking down yet, right? We don't have that kind of disappointment. Instead, we're encouraging them and we want them to keep trying. It's almost as if babies know that grace follows failure. They know, especially when someone is there right beside them saying, come on, get up, come to mom, let me give you a big hug. You can do it. Now, if this is how we treat our children when they're learning something new, how much more does God treat us when we are learning He's not demanding perfection. He's celebrating our victories with us. He has given us what we need to walk, but he's not demanding that it be perfect. He knows that learning to yoke up with him, learning to walk in step with him is a process. It's a journey, and that is okay. 
So Jesus says to learn from him, and he says who he is. And then what is his promise? Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. So what is the promise? The promise is rest for our soul. What is rest? Rest is when we're not striving anymore. Rest is when that you know that you're safe enough to give up control. Rest is trusting that God's promises are going to be carried out and waiting for that to happen. And what's our soul? It says rest for your soul. So rest is that, no, that lack of striving and just waiting for him and feeling safe that he's in control. And our soul is our mind, how we make decisions, our will, no, our mind, how we think, our will, how we make decisions, and our emotions, how we feel. But did you notice? It says, you will find rest for your soul. That is an action word. It does not say, and I, at the, in this point, give you rest. He says, you will find it. You will discover it. You will search for rest because it's an action. Rest has to be found. But how do we do that? How do we find that rest? Well, we start learning from Jesus. We start walking in step with him. We're honest because this kind of rest isn't the zoning out, binge-watching Netflix, right, just zoning out. Like, I'm not saying those things are bad, but those things do not actually give you rest. Those sort of things do not give you the rest that you are really wanting. It reminds me of one of my favorite scriptures, this, this point of saying, it takes action to get there. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Now, don't you think that a straight path is the most restful place to be? When you know that you are on the straight path, you can take a deep breath. But how do you get on that straight path? How do you get on that path of rest? Action. You have to trust in the Lord and not lean on your own understanding, which means lean on his understanding. Lean on what he says to be true, even if it doesn't make sense right now. And it says to acknowledge him. Give him the glory in all these things. Because as we have action that's focused on him, he will lead us to rest. Oftentimes, when we feel that burden and that weariness and we just want rest, it's when we need to spend a little time with Jesus. And it's not what we feel like doing right? When I am exhausted and burdened, oh, I don't want to read right now, but it's exactly what I need to do. Or maybe go on a drive. It's actually something God allowed me to do this week, is I had a little extra time, and I was just feeling so heavy, 
and I got to go on a drive, and I just put on worship music, and I got to spend this sweet time with Jesus, and it filled my soul. But I had to make the decision to do that. Now, there is something important that we haven't talked about in this passage yet. We've talked about who can come to Jesus, everyone, right? The only qualification is that you're burdened. We've talked about what Jesus does for us is that he offers to teach us. He offers to walk beside us and yoke up with us to carry our burdens with us. We know that we can trust him because of his character. And he offers us rest as we learn from him. And that all sounds fantastic. But how do we get there? How do we get that rest? How do we find it? And there's three little words at the beginning of this passage that give us the answer. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Come to me is a personal invite from Jesus, just to you. Will you come to me? Will you sit with me? It's Jesus saying, I love you. It's Jesus saying, I want you to come to me. That you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be a certain age. You don't have to be a certain anything. But just come to me. It's Jesus inviting you into this big hug and saying, I love you. Just come to me. But then it's our choice if we come. When Jesus says, come to me, What's my decision? Am I too busy? Am I too burdened? Am I, do I feel too much shame? But when I make the choice to come to him, it means I'm making the choice to trust him. It means I'm making the choice to believe that he is who he says he is. That he cares about me, that he loves me, that he is the one that took the burden of my sin. He is the one that died that I might have life. When I come to Jesus, it's saying, God, I'm weary, but you are my only hope. And truly, the best kind of rest, the best rest we will ever know, is knowing where we are going. The best rest we will ever know is knowing, knowing that our sins are forgiven. That we have hope. That is the beauty of John 3.16, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the best rest of all. And I don't know where all of you are today. You're here, 
and that is amazing, but I want you to know that if there is a rest that you are searching for, and you're like, wait, that rest you just talked about, of knowing that I'm forgiven, of knowing that I am loved and that I have hope, that's the kind of rest I'm searching for. I need that kind of rest. Or maybe you're here today and you've just been coasting. And you're just like, I need to be reminded of that rest that comes only from him. Do you want to come play the piano? You know, life would be so much easier if after we made that decision to follow Jesus, we made the decision to come to him, that everything would be easy. But the truth is, Jesus is asking us to come to him every single day. You're like, but I come to church on Sundays. Oh, that, and that is amazing. You will get filled up. But if you want to learn to play the piano, and you only go to your lesson one hour a week, are you going to be a famous pianist? No. If you want to be an MBA star, and you only go to practice one hour a week, are you going to get there? No. If you're like, I want to get in shape. So on Tuesdays, I go to the gym, I work really hard for an hour, and I eat a salad. Everything's going to be good. I'm going to get in shape. and I. We don't think like that because we know that in order for change to happen, in order for us to pursue something, it has to be every single day. That is what pursuing Jesus is about. And sometimes we just don't know where to start. Sometimes we're like, I I don't know, I can't do it. But God is so gentle. And he's so kind. And so today, we are going to have the opportunity to do the first three words. Where Jesus says, come to me. So this last couple weeks has been really crazy for me, okay? I have felt very overwhelmed. I've had to do things I didn't want to do, like build history fair projects. And I've gotten to do other things that I've enjoyed, like pray for my friends. But my kids will tell you, my last couple weeks have been do, 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 do. And they felt it, and they knew it. And one night after a really hard conversation with my 13-year-old son, Ezra. It's 9 o'clock, and I'm like, all right, we got through that conversation. Let's do your history fair project. What was I thinking? I don't know. Nothing good happens at 9 o'clock at night when you've been frustrated, right? And I was like, we're just going to do it. And he looks at me, and he's like, Mom, I was thinking that maybe we could have some tea and we could just sit on the couch together and we could just watch your favorite show. I was like, yes, Ezra, that is exactly what we should do. Ezra was saying, mom, I'm learning. I don't got it all together, but I just want to sit in your love. And I just want to be with you. And that is what Jesus was saying to me. Jolene, just come sit with me. Stop your striving. 
Come sit in my love. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know all the answers. But I want you to feel safe with me. And as you feel vulnerable with me, oh, I'm going to fill you with rest and refreshment. So we're actually going to take a few minutes and we're just going to come to Jesus. And I believe he has these open arms and he's like, come and just sit with me. And this picture right here is what I think Jesus looks like when you come to him. He's like, thank you. I smile over you. I sing over you. Just come and sit in my presence. And just breathe in my joy. Breathe in my life. Breathe in my rest. And it doesn't matter how old you are in this room. It doesn't matter if you're a male or a female, if you've been a Christian forever, if you haven't. Jesus says, come to me and just sit with me for a few minutes. So we're going to make space to do that. Angie's just going to play for a minute. I want you to look at this picture or close your eyes and just sit in God's presence for a couple minutes.
Lord, I thank you for your sweet presence. I thank you that you offer that we can come to you. Thank you for loving us. As the worship team um, sings the last song, if anybody would like me to pray for them, I would be glad to do that. And we're just going to sing this song about reminding us that we are a child of God. So let's worship together and just rest in who he is today.
I just pray your blessing, the blessings of the Lord upon you this week, and just rest in him this week. Have a good week.